do you do like resistance yeah. training? I got the free weights and I got the the bike. You got a bike? Yeah. So I pull out uh, the coffee table and that's my bench press. Yeah. And I use the free weights for that and then I do some abs, leg lifts, Woo. and then back okay. to the chest and then back to the abs and then back to the and then I do bicep curls. Yeah. Shoulder shrugs and then it's squats. Body squats, body weight squats. Right. Because uh, I got a messed up knee now. Mm-hmm. So I do that and then push-ups. And then that's it. It's all stuff you can do in a prison yard. Yes. And, yeah. and, or a hotel. I developed this last oh, fall when, when I was on the road. Yeah. So Florence, the woman I'm, tr- I'm working with, had an idea that we have guests say, this is blank, and you're listening to the Katie Halper Show to start off. Yeah. It's cool, right? Uh-huh. So do you mind saying uh, this is... How about you do it as Alex Jones? Sure, you could do that. I can do yeah. multiples. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's actually cool. Yeah. Do just, Alex, do Roger. Do impressions. It'll do be fun. Your, do I don't have a Roger Stone your, impression. How about just do <laughs> Alex <laughs> and yourself? Okay. All right. Hey, this is Travis Irvine, and you're listening to the Katie Helper Show. Awesome. All right. Okay. Now I'm going to do Alex Show. Sure. Folks. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Folks, we're through the looking glass here, and you're listening to the Katie Helper Show. Awesome. Oh, wait. I forgot to say I'm Alex Jones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Folks, this is Alex Jones, and we're through the looking glass, and you're listening. Ah, damn it. It's really hard to do. It hurts your voice, it hurts right? My voice. I know. Yeah. Folks, this is Alex Jones, and when I want to get the real news, not the fake news, I listen to the Katie Helper show. Awesome. Great. Right there. Hello, and welcome to the Katie Helper show. I'm Katie Helper, and I'm joined every week by my co host, Gabe Pacheco. You can hear the Katie Helper show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. On WBAI, that's 99.5 FM, or WBAI.org on the internet. Please, please, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a really great way for us to gain more exposure. Make sure you save the date for our next live taping, which is October 9th. Now, that is Columbus Day, so of course we'll be doing an anti-Columbus Day special. And it'll be October 9th at 7 p.m. at the Brooklyn Commons at 388 Atlantic Avenue, followed, as always, by karaoke. Our special guest will be Anoa Changa, director of Progressive Army and the host of the podcast The Way with Anoa. Our other special guest will be Wendy Muse, who is a Ph.D. candidate in history at NYU, whose research focuses on anti-racist organizing in Cold War era Brazil and Lusophone Africa. She's also the creator of the hashtag LeftPOC and working on a really cool resource on that. Today our focus is millennials in politics. We speak to two people who are real progressives. They're Bernie bros, even though one of them is a woman of color. And as listeners know, I use that term ironically and subversively. I myself identify as a feminist Bernie bro. We've reappropriated that term. First, we speak to Travis Irvine, a comedian, journalist, filmmaker, and unsuccessful politician. His words, not mine. We're going to be talking to Mumita Ahmed, who is a founder of Millennials for Bernie. She talks to us about a Hillary donor who hit her with his hand and with a cane at a Democratic meeting that was held in June 2016. We're really excited to be talking to Travis Irvine, a recent graduate of Columbia Journalism School. Travis lives and performs between New York City and Ohio. His debut comedy album, Guy from Ohio, is available on iTunes and Spotify. His documentary about his 2007 run for mayor in Ohio, American Mayor, is available on Amazon Video. It encourages other millennials to run for office. So, Travis, welcome to the Katie Halper Show. 
Hey, great to be here. Glad we could finally make it happen. Yeah, thanks for coming. So tell us about your journey, your personal journey, and how you got involved in politics, and then how you got involved in comedy. Oh, golly. Um, well, I guess they're kind of intertwined. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Ohio, uh, hence the uh, hilarious comedy album name, Guy from Ohio. Nice. Um, and growing up in Ohio, honestly, it, politics is in your face. Uh, every four years, you know, we get all the candidates. They all show up to Ohio. Ohio's so crucial just uh, not just to primaries, but, you know, to general elections. And so the ads, the negative ads would be on TV all the time. And so at five years old, I just kind of fell into it. Um, my dad, five, wow. uh, the story is that I used to beg my dad to stay up late to watch the debates and the conventions. Those, like, blew my mind. And I was like, um, and then finally when the 92 election came around, um, I was eight or nine, so I had more of a concept of what was going on. And I will say, uh, one of the guys I thought was really cool was Ross Perot. He was every uh, well, not I don't want to say every, but uh, as a little little kid, he was the most fun. He was candidate. the most fun, and SNL had the best sketches about yes. him. Yes, and the SNL sketches I think uh, is what helped pull me from politics and linked it up with with comedy. I'd always kind of liked comedy as a kid. Obviously, you know, Looney Tunes and Tiny Tunes and uh, Animaniacs and Simpsons. Um, but then my dad actually got me into some of the old stuff like Abbott and Costello, uh, Three Stooges. I remember I memorized the Who's on First Bit for a third grade uh, thing, some type of show, talent show or something. And, um, and yeah, so it all kind of linked up. By 92, 94, 96, I was just fascinated with politics and comedy and the way they intertwined. I would also throw in, because uh, I know we're on the public radio-ish, right? This isn't corporate radio. Right. We yeah. are. You can hear the Katie Halper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI 99.5 FM, WBAI.org. Oh, well, good. There you go. But it's also a podcast, and yes. uh, we do have a Patreon, which is the one, the only way that we uh, make any money or keep it sustainable. Oh, yeah. well, there you go. And that's very important. Yeah. you got to keep yeah. it sustainable. Patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Um, you guys remember that guy, Mark Russell? Uh, he was this guy who played a piano, uh, and every presidential election, he'd have a show on PBS, and he'd play piano and sing songs about like the candidates and stuff. Oh, the Donald is a schmuck, T-R-U-M-P. He's high on the polls, that's just our luck, says the GOP. He drove away the women and the Mexicans, too. He'll carry the biggest well, hoop-de-doo. With the Donald, we are stuck, O-S-H-I-T. And huh. it's like, you know, like PBS humor. Like, 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 like Capital Steps. Yeah. Like very, yeah, yeah. Like, it's very edgy. Mild. in that vein. Edgy. <laughs> yeah. And he's just super edgy and cutthroat, hardcore, incisive <laughs> comedy. But also PBS. Yeah. 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 Um, and For so, grandmas. Yeah. I remember him. Redundant. Like, I never got any of his jokes, but my par- I just liked that my parents were laughing at him. Yes. So. so that was it. But in 96, I think I did a class project on the Republican primary because that was the first one. You guys remember all those characters? It was like Steve Forbes and Lamar Alexander mm, and right. Bob. Bob Dole, who eventually became the nominee. Um, oh my God, Bob Dole! I, kind I of know. Can about you him. believe that? Can you believe it worked? Yeah, he was so boring. <laughs> and then, of course, then Saturday Night Live again. Norm Macdonald, I loved his uh, Bob Dole impersonation. Mm. Ah, that's Bob Dole's peanut butter, and he go around doing that. Um, so yeah, I'd say from there I was hooked. And then I uh, uh, campaigned for the Democrats in 2000. I wasn't even old enough to vote, but the 2000 election, of course, was crazy. I'm pretty sure I stayed up the latest in my junior. High school class uh, uh, politics, social studies is what they called it. Um, I stayed up the latest to see what the hell was going to happen. Who's going to be our president? And then, of course, we didn't find out for like, what, a month or something? Ah, hanging chads. All the hanging chads. And then 2004, 
I campaigned pretty hard for John Kerry, and uh, that one was strange because then Ohio was the the state that determined that one. Right, Ohio became the Florida. We became the Florida, yeah. And there's you know, and I'm very linked up now with a lot of people in the Green Party and Libertarian Party and Democrat Party, not Republican Party. Those are the only people who hate me, um, and that's fine. But uh, in Ohio, at least, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, evidence and you know, kind of. Uh, in hindsight analysis of the 2004 election being probably stolen. Right. Probably just like... Blackwell, is that his name? Ken Blackwell, right. Kenneth Blackwell, Secretary of State, um, who eventually ran for governor of Ohio. Um, he was in charge of the Diebold voting machines, and he was also on the board of a company called Diebold. Wow. So it was a very scandalous. And we only had one congresswoman talk about it, Stephanie Tubbs Jones, and uh, rest in peace. Yeah, she 2008, died? she like got an aneurysm right. and drove her car yeah. off the oh, highway wow. or something. Yeah. I didn't know she did that. Oh, it was that. very suspicious, but uh, you know, I'm kind of a con- conspiracy guy. <laughs> right. Seventeen seventy six. You mean you mean you see the world clearly without filters? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did she kill? She didn't hurt anyone though. She could have hurt someone, probably. Right. I think um, just state troopers saw that her car was like wow, driving strangely. Awful. It was a very strange uh, death, and I had met her like literally oh. like a few weeks before. Was she nice? She was so nice. She was such a sweetheart. Yeah. I think she did Colbert and talked about some recipe, and it was really funny. Yeah. Um, obviously. No joke. There's no death in this joke. But it was just she talked about some recipe that involved potato, and she talked about like le- like boiling potatoes, and then you have potato water. And Colbert's like sounds delicious. <laughs> anyway, R.I.P. Um, so what kind of politics do your parents have, and what kind of politics do you have? How, mm-hmm. I'm you know what's the trajectory of your political ideology? How do you get to libertarian? Well, you know I, I consider myself more of a libertarian ah. um, because I did come from the left. The parents are definitely on the left. The parents. Uh, the parents, because um, you know the grandparents were on the right. We all kind of I think we all kind of like do the opposite React, of what the, yeah. yeah the pendulum swings. Swing. The pendulum exactly, swings. Yeah. So the grandparents were hardcore Republicans, right? My grandma did not care for the Clintons. Um, good luck. Neither Lord. do it, we. From right. The I know. And, and you know yeah. what? How can you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice that we've all come full circle on that. Right. But um, so grandma was definitely Republican, and then dad and mom were definitely to the left. Um, but my dad was sympathetic to Ross Perot for sure, and I think that's an extra reason why I loved Ross Perot so much. I was the only kid to vote for Ross Perot in the third grade mock presidential election, and I was very upset when he lost. Um, I just didn't understand. I was like, he's so great. <laughs> it's like you said, he was like every kid's dream. He was just a uh, char- charming goof. When he was before like, funny. you think about, you're not thinking about ideology or anything like that. Yeah. It's just. I just love that there was a third guy in there, you know, and it was just like. Um, Ah, yeah, and then of course you know Bill, even Bill Clinton and George H. W. would always be like, "Well, I agree with Miss Perot. Well, I have to agree with Miss Perot." So I was always like, "He's raising so many good points." Um, so I think Ross Perot gave me that soft spot for third parties mm. because then I was very interested in Ralph Nader after two thousand, after two thousand, you know, when everyone was mad at him and blamed him for two thousand, which we all knew was ridiculous. Um, and then I went, and, uh, I saw him speak at uh, in Athens, Ohio, at uh, at my college, Ohio University, in two thousand four. And then, um, yeah, I think 2008, then the, that's when the trajectory, from 2004 to 2008, the trajectory went from, I realized I was a hardcore progressive. I was a anti-Bush, anti-Cheney, anti-war, pro-civil liberties, you know, anti-corporatism, uh, um, liberal. I was a progressive, you know, very much. And I wrote for all the progressive newsletters back in uh, Athens, Ohio, and I was on the radio. It's very anti Everything that Bush and Cheney stood for, and I think the 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 switch came in around 2006, 2007 when the Democrats took power. I felt like they ran on the Iraq War issue. They didn't, 
end Iraq, right? And they didn't end all the domestic spying and all the things I thought the Democrats right. were for, right? And then 2007, um, May 2007, there's a thing for a lot of young libertarians, these millennial libertarians that came around called the Ron Paul moment, where Ron Paul stood in a debate, a Republican debate on Fox News, and basically said that our foreign policy is what caused the terrorists to attack us on 9-11. Right. And then Rudy Giuliani was like, oh, excuse me, excuse me, as someone who's there on 9-11. Right. I, excuse me, excuse me, yeah, excuse yeah, me. So it's great, yeah. That's just, that's my <laughs> Giuliani. I, I saw him at the um, DNC. He was, he was, I ran into Giuliani oh, on the street. Oh, man, I, I, was I, wearing I got some Giuliani stories a, here, I yeah. was wearing a uh, camouflage hat, baseball hat, that mm-hmm. said uh, Obama for president. And oh, I yeah. ran to Giuliani on the street. I got my picture taken t- with him. Max Blumenthal and I like ran into each other at the DNC in Denver. This was what uh, two thousand and eight when it was in Denver. Right. We ran into some each other. Then we left the RNC, um, and we ran into some guys who were like, "Get in, get in the van," but not like that. They <laughs> were like. Hey guys, come to our party. It was an Amway party. Uh-huh. I didn't even know Amway. They like make knives and stuff. They're okay. like a Ponzi scheme oh, Amway, type thing. Amway is yeah, that's what it. It's a it's a pyramid scheme, and uh, mm-hmm. Betsy DeVos's family is uh, part of it, and it's an it's a franchising empire. So you know you're selling uh, garbage products like Tupperware and whatnot. Right. And the guy at the top makes um profits uh, percentages off of everyone else you enroll in it. So it's oh, got golly. a very um, what is it like an evangelical uh, right. streak to it because it's direct marketing? I knew. How did I know you would know? I was like Gabe Amway. I didn't want to put you on the spot in case you didn't know, but I was like ninety percent sure that you yeah. would not only know it but know a lot of details. About but that's this. how you. That's it's how perfect. you get people. It's a lot of like it's a it's a. I, I don't want to stereotypically like a housewife type thing or a, a domestic a, partner tight tight knit recent immigrant communities. Oh, uh, who are middle class. Uh, that's a way to uh, parasite money out of them too. But if you're bored and you want to be an entrepreneur, hey, let's have a little party in my living room. Uh, Katie, Travis, show up. Right. Oh, uh, you want to know how I'm so affluent? Why I've got this big widescreen TV? Uh, <laughs> check out these. Uh, check out if these you, knives. If yeah. you could see and how check animated out these Gabe was, Ooh, he literally almost knocked over a lamp because yeah. that's how committed he is. To yeah. Here's a brochure. Check it out. Look, you can just buy products from me, or you can cut out the middleman and be your right. own distributor. What's the name of the makeup prod- company that does that? It's the same principle. Makeup. There's there's a lot oh, they of they all these have their own cars. Door. I think um, I've seen them in the what's cars. The brand? I mean, John Oliver did a uh, recent, uh, not recent, but he Avon, did, he, Avon Calling, Avon yeah. Calling. Yes, yes. He talks about all of, all of these companies are uh, uh, based on a perpetual growth, but there's there's a limited number of people that you can actually enroll into these before the Ponzi scheme collapses. Right. right. So. Giuliani. Right. Yeah, Giuliani. Yeah. And there's a <laughs> this was a role reversal. Which Gabe is always reining me in. Also, Michael Moore has a funny thing where he does he gets his colors done <laughs> right. uh, in in Roger and Me. This yes. woman like does oh, the colors. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, great yeah. scenes. Heartbreak, I think it's a similar heartbreaking. <laughs> heartbreaking. And then moment. she goes on to like slaughtering uh, bunny rabbits, rabbits for I think that's sustenance. A, is that hers? It, Definitely it, ends on bunny rabbits slaughtering. Yeah. It's awful. But uh, back to Giuliani. Back to Giuliani. <laughs> so we got So I got into a, a van with these people and Max Blumenthal. We, and we went to this party and we pretended that we were Republicans. I can't remember what we said. We like came up with a name for like an organization we were with, like like the right is right or something. And Giuliani gave a speech and he's like, "Look, I, I look, I, I know Obama. Okay, I know <laughs> these types. Like they, he's not he's not good. All right, he's bad." It was a great speech. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so. 
but going back to Giuliani and Oh, well, oh, I got Ron some Giuliani. Paul. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let me tell my yeah. Giuliani stories, and I'll jump yeah. back on that. Um, Ron Paul. And I'll finish Our, the RPM, Ron Paul moment, as you call it. Yes, the Ron Paul moment. But I will say, so I've met Giuliani also twice at conventions. RNC in Tampa, 2012. And I went up to him. I saw him. Uh, uh, he was walking on the street holding his jacket. And I went up to him. And I was like, America's mayor. And like he like looked at me like begrudgingly. I was like, eh, yeah, I guess I got to shake yeah. the hand. So he shook my hand. And then literally uh, in a nice flashback moment, 2016 in Cleveland, saw him in a golf cart. He's shaking police, policemen's hands. And I was like, America's mayor. And he was like, eh. All right, I guess I gotta. Oh yeah. So, Did he recognize you? I don't know, <laughs> but I hope I see him again in 2020 at wherever yeah, the RNC is. Years, and be like right? America's mayor. Yeah, um, that would be the funny. Was he way just to in go. the middle of Cleveland, the urban city that it is, in a golf car? Um, no, 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 God, no. It was You're behind the uh, behind the the barriers or whatever. I had access uh, to the barriers. But the, on a golf. Oh, like he was in a golf like cart. the way he that they like, use them around. normally, not yeah, on a golf cart. Got it. Yeah, not a golf cart. No, no. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so that was the Ron Paul moment, and that's when I started just, I was like, who is this guy? It was right. like, pretty cool. And so a lot of, you know, honestly, that moment turned a lot of young kids on to, you know, kids like who were conservative or maybe even progressive, um, in my case, uh, to libertarianism. And and then I saw these areas where libertarians and progressives agree. Was, foreign you know, policy. Yeah, foreign policy, um, certainly um, civil liberties. You know, mm-hmm. we got the Fourth Amendment caucus in the House right now. It's a mix of... Oh, it's great. It's a mix between progressives on the left of the Democrats, like Tulsi Gabbard and Zoe mm-hmm. Longren and Jared Polis, and then um, libertarian-leaning Republicans on the right, like uh, Justin Amash from Michigan and Thomas Massey from Kentucky. Um, and, of course, Rand Paul's in the Senate. So, um, right. and, and they also agree, you know, Bernie Sanders and Rand Paul both uh, wanted to audit the Fed, you know, things like yeah. that, like uh, monetary policy. And, uh, Although and, Bernie's like for federal monetary stuff, yes, and the Pauls want to get rid of they it, but they're both critical it. of yeah. it from very well, different. And Dennis Kucinich right? has made some great speeches on this. Um, you know, another area where progressives and because Kucinich and Ron Paul used to work together on this, mm. um, the Federal uh, Reserve, as Kucinich has said in his speeches, is, is as federal as Federal Express. It's you know, it's a private banking corporation that we basically created. And then we owe them every time they print money. We actually owe them for that. So it's supposed to be the the responsibility of the U.S. Treasury. Mm. And um, with the 1913 Federal Reserve Act, they uh, basically handed that over to the Federal Reserve. Right. So the Ron Paul and Rand Paul are great when they talk. I mean, they sound like Wesleyan students when they talk about foreign policy. <laughs> yeah. They they're like the occupation. They say things that like Democrats won't say. Yeah. They're yeah. Way to the left on the. But then they're like, and the Civil Rights Act and the uh, American yeah. Disabilities Act. And that's where get you... <laughs> get rid of them, right? Yeah. They're also pretty hypocritical because. I think Rand more than Ron, uh, especially there, he's anti-choice and he's not against the death penalty. Yeah, uh, yeah. And neither is Ron. And, I think and, Ron Paul is both of those things, right. too. Right, and when you look into more hardcore, um, again, you know, that was the thing, was Ron Paul just kind of got me into it. Right. Um, I think, actually, in 2008, I supported Obama until he went to the center, um, and then I voted Green Party. I think mm. I voted Cynthia McKinney in 2008. Oh, yeah, nice. Because um, I just liked the cut of her jib. She, you know, yeah. She just, yeah, she does. She has she a good not, record as a congresswoman. She does not woman. mince words. Yes. Um, and then, so that's 2012. That's when I went full to the Libertarian Party and uh, supported Gary Johnson. And yeah, they are more reasonable. You know, they're socially liberal. Was the whole idea when I ran? Actually, 2012. It was before 2010. Was when I ran for Congress as a Libertarian in Central Ohio. And um, oh man, I remember going around telling people like, 
I don't think the government should be involved with marriage at all. And I had Republicans thinking I was crazy because that went against their religious belief. But then you also had Democrats thinking I was crazy because they were, remember, they were all for civil unions. That was the big right. talking line of the Democrats, civil unions. And I was like, no, they shouldn't be involved at all. It's, you know, and now here we are, 2014, you know, 2014 that got legalized. Was it 2015? Jim Obergefell. I don't well, know if I'm saying his name, name right, but he's from Cincinnati and he was the case he just wanted to be buried next to his uh, dead partner, and that is not allowed in Ohio because we had um, made gay marriage illegal in 2004 along with multiple other, mm -hmm. you know, it was a Karl Rove tactic to get the evangelical Wedge, vote yeah. out. Um, and so it was illegal in Ohio f since 2004, and then uh, that specific case is what fought that, went to the Supreme Court, and that's what made it legal nationwide. What overturned uh, DOMA, yeah. Defense of Marriage Act, of course, which was signed into uh, signed by the Bill Clinton. Ugh. Yeah. Well, go figure. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's yeah. Ohio's Ohio. important. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now and then we do our part. <laughs> yeah. And then then sometimes we vote for Trump. <laughs> right. Oh, oh. We right. don't make. We're a swinger state. We're crazy. So why? Uh, tell us about your uh, your race. Oh, the Congress race yeah. or the mayor's race? So I ran Both. for mayor. You're really uh, well-rounded. Yeah, well, I don't. Uh, well lost. I've lost every race. I've... Bernie lost a lot, too. Right. You know what? And there's no shame in running and yeah, losing. Yeah, you just keep failing forward. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Failing forward. You yeah. fail up. And you, and you up, influence yeah. the discussion. Um, I, um, so the 2007, 10 years ago now, when I ran for mayor of my uh, hometown, I actually got endorsed by the Franklin County Libertarian Party and the Central Ohio Green Party. Um, so there wow, you go. Nice. Yeah, progressives, libertarians, yeah. Coming building, bridges. Yeah. building bridges, building um, bridges, and uh, you know that the whole uh, reason I ran was because the local university was colluding with City Hall, the uh, the powers that be in City Hall to uh, rezone to basically buy up properties in my parents' neighborhood and rezone them, and then they were knocking down the properties and building up uh, dorm rooms. So like literally, the house that I grew up in is right next door to a new giant dorm room. And the reason they were doing that, they had this thing called the Southwest Master Plan that City Hall and the university had worked on together where they were just going to buy up all the all the properties in this little section of Bexley, Southwest section of Bexley where I grew up, uh, which is uh, Bexley is a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. It's very uh, rich and Jewish, uh, although I am in uh, neither, uh, unfortunately. Um, and, uh, what are you saying about Jews? What are you saying about rich people? I'm just saying kidding. they're all very, they're, you know, some of them I assume are good people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of my best friends, some of the hosts yeah. of the podcast no, I, I do. Honestly, I mean, just Jewish. Yeah. Not oh, the yeah. rich part, that's yeah. what's so fun. Is, like, uh, I some of my in, favorite globalists. Yeah. Some of my favorite he globalists. Says he's are married. He's good. My wife's Jewish. You know my wife's Jewish. That? She's a Mexican Jew. She's a Jackson. <laughs> all right. Really? And, and I give true? her all my InfoWars supplements, and she takes them all. Anyway, what was I talking about? Anyway, I love, yeah. yeah I'm very so, excited I grew up in a Jewish town, honestly. Because so, it was like I moved from one Jewish town to another one, basically. Uh, you brought you're up like Brooklyn. A, so. You're like a, uh, what's it called? A Christian Zionist. You follow uh, the Jews. Next, you're going to Israel. You want yes. us to go to Israel. Oh, my God. Take me on my birthright. You yeah. want all of us to die, except wait, for like 400. Oh, wait, and then, <laughs> I know, he's going to be <laughs> like, <laughs> anti uh, comedian and uh, libertarian revealed to be rabid anti-Semite. Oh, no. Not uh, again. Yeah. Uh, but we were getting, we were talking about sort of like uh, this this uh, tension in your town was, as it is in most places, around real estate. It was around and, real estate, uh, it's yes. A, it's a big uh, real, real estate deal. And zoning laws and stuff. So anyway, they were destroying uh, my parents' neighborhood, which is so that's why, why I ran. Yeah, and the, and um, and by just uh, talking about it and running, you know, I was a goofy 23, 24 year old kid with dreadlocks. I had just moved back from the Bahamas. You know, I had graduated college and went and lived in the Bahamas for a year, and then came back with dreadlocks and ran for mayor. Happens. You know, like any Gateway. good millennial, and. Um, 
And but you know, obviously I didn't win, but I ran against seven other people, and the guy who did win and became mayor, um, he was like the only guy at the debates who was like funnier than me. That was like my gift was I, I knew how to talk to a crowd, and like none of these city government people knew like they didn't know how to use their hands or to stand up or not to it was very funny and awkward but i was just like you know up there killing but the only guy who was funnier than me was the guy who won and then we actually became friends and he actually put my neighbors and my mom on city commissions like zoning commissions and stuff basically he he gave us a a seat at the table um and we never southwest bexley never had anyone in city hall or anything and then two years uh, after I uh, ran, a guy down the street with like uh, a house and a family and a job and a business, you know, a grown man, um, <laughs> he ran for city council with and, and he in won. The game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he won. So all of a sudden, um, you know, within two years of me, my little goofball, uh, you know, face running, uh, we actually had representation in city hall. So it all worked out, and that's the point of the documentary. I think I just told everyone what happens in the documentary Uh but still check it out american mayor we can bleep it out yeah no i think it's fine i mean it's honestly it's a 40 minute documentary we took it to the Cannes film festival in 2010 yeah and we took it to atlanta international docu fest oh my god palm springs short film festival con like as in france as in france but it was a specific section for short films so we still had a screening at the Cannes film festival and it was a packed like you know it was a 20 seat room but we packed it out i thought you're gonna be like well we brought it there they didn't let us in no no yeah we showed it and everything it was super fun that's great and so we got a distribution deal for two four years it was on amazon that's awesome and then um but the company that we signed with never gave us any money so um we have now taken it back we got it back on Amazon, and you can watch it now. Awesome. Yeah. And people just go, go to Amazon. They just Google yeah, it. Yeah, just go to Amazon looking for American Mayor. It's um, it's going to be an online streaming movie. And, um, yeah, 40 minutes to inspire yourself to run for office. Because local this, yeah. office, you can actually influence things. And this is what everybody is talking about, regardless if they're, if they're uh, liberals or mm-hmm. progressives or— right. Uh, as radical as you can get, it's all about grassroots. It's all about uh, mobilizing on a local level. And uh, if you, you know, this sounds like uh, like a, a pretty cool movie to play for your students in school. Yes, you I know, think so. yeah. The, college. Any teachers yeah. out there listening? Pre-K. I, yeah, I want. How and I want the progressive kids on the left, the Bernie kids, to take over the Democrats, yeah. and I want the libertarian kids on the right to take over the Republicans, and then we can work together on all the things that we agree and on. And make out in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's funny, because you are like what people pretend Bernie people are. They're like, they're Ron Paul boys, they're Ron Paul boys, or oh, whatever. No. Um, no, but you're good. Don't worry, don't yeah. worry. So I'll bleep out that whole part of the interview, but <laughs> two minutes left. So actually, we're going to play a trailer of American Mayor. Oh, yeah. Hi, my name is Travis Irvine, 24 years old. I don't have a job. I live with my parents, and I'm running for mayor of my hometown. Part of the master plan was to tear down all the houses on the block in which we live. It was just a blatant disregard of saying, well, we're going to put door three and four here, and door four was where my house was. Did you ever consider running for a uh, city council seat prior to mayor? People have mentioned that. Is this a joke? Are you really running for mayor? I met two of the other candidates. They're both very uh, mayoral. Is that a word you invented? Mayoral? Maybe I was going for mayoral. Mayor-ish. That's the one I was going for. Throw your hands in the air if you think you are mayor. Make me mayor. Well, it's all in parts of 
little sections yet. All cities running for mayor. Each of the candidates here brings a special trait, a special skill. Now, if all those seven things, I'm the only candidate who embodies all seven. Yeah, <laughs> three flyers for the fundraiser. I gave him 700 flyers. I was busy with schoolwork. Attention, art students, don't forget to vote today. I know you're angry. Door to door is probably the most important thing. We don't have the microphones, do we? Hi, I'm Bexley mayoral candidate Travis Irvine. You know, I'm one of the few candidates who's actually grown up here in Bexley. Votes are in. <laughs> Just one. That was a, a dismal failure. Dismal failure. Eight people are running for mayor in Bexley, including two who are still living with their parents. <laughs> Now we're going to play a part of the album, comedy album, Guy from Ohio. And let's take a listen to this track, Bernie Would Have Won. Here's the argument I'm having now about 2016 is that Bernie Sanders would have won. What do you guys think? You agree with that? A couple people? Yeah. I agree because all my Bernie supporting friends were the most intense supporters I've ever met in my entire life. Like every single time during the primary, even when it was clear that Bernie wasn't gonna get the nomination, all my Bernie bro friends were just on the internet, just like, well, delicate math could work out. We're going to Philadelphia, we're going to the convention, Bernie still got a chance. And then even when Bernie didn't get the nomination and things were happening with Hillary and the FBI during the general election, I was like, hmm, seems pretty serious, but all my Bernie bro friends were back on the internet, just like, well, Bernie only technically briefly suspended his campaign. We're going to Philadelphia. We're going to the convention. Bernie still got a chance. What inspired you to do that, by the way? That well, Bernie would have won one. I do think Bernie would have won. <laughs> There's um, that. I think we're all hopefully in agreement on that. Um, he was the outside. I wrote a lot about uh, this uh, for Huffington Post last year and a few other places, just that Bernie was the outsider candidate. 2016 was an outsider election year. Um, and then, you know, in hindsight now, yes. we've got all these Bernie town halls that they did on MSNBC those the first few months of Trump's administration. And he was literally convincing these people in Wisconsin, these Trump supporters, in real time on TV by right. the end of it. They were all yeah. like, well, if you were the Democratic nominee, I would have voted for you. Right. It's like, yes. They're like racist. And he's like, uh, well, do you think that uh, it's the immigrants or do you think it's like the unfair tax structure? She's like, all right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like the one in Wisconsin. Yes. The Wisconsin. Yeah. But I have to say... Um, it's so frustrating. I think people are maybe getting this more and more, but like the idea that Sanders and um, Trump will occasionally appeal to the same population mm -hmm. uh, and therefore they're the same or they're the equivalent or they're the two opposite right. sides of the same coin. I really, okay, I came up with a great metaphor, comparison analogy for this. Let's That's like saying mm -hmm. gang leaders and teachers are two sides of the same coin because they both appeal to and attract like inner city youth. Yes. Boom! I did it. I think you're welcome. A, a everyone. fair comparison. It's a good, right? Yeah, because they they're both outsiders in completely different but they, ways. Exactly. The yeah. whole point is where do you take them? Yeah. It's not where you're at. It's where you go. Go. Yeah. Right. I agree. To, to come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. And where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Travservine USA. I tag the USA on there because I search for Travis Irvines and they're all Canadian. Uh, so, so I am wrong. not the Canadian Travis Irvine. I am Travis Irvine USA. It's uh, on brand. It's I on it's brand. On brand. It is totally on Travis brand. Travis is, is wearing American flag sunglasses. I've got, I've got the same Twitter strategy as Sarah Palin and Jim Webb. Oh, yeah. I like <laughs> so it. So I'm in good company. But you're a lot more animated than Jim Webb, which <laughs> oh, uh, the same thing well, can be said of Well, he did kill everyone. those people in Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. Very nice of him. I did think he was going to come out like 
during that debate that he was involved in, I kind of expected him to peel off a mask and have Joe Biden uh, underneath there. We were just all so lucky. I know, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Anything else you want to make sure that we say? or No, American mayor, guy from Ohio, we covered it. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, politics, we talked about politics. Yeah, awesome. You're listening to the Katie Halper Show on WBAI. I'm Katie Halper. That was Travis Irvine, the stand-up comedian and former mayoral candidate of Bexley, Ohio. Now we're going to be talking to Mumita Ahmed, who is a founder of Millennials for Bernie and a member of the People for Bernie. Mumita is, according to The Guardian, a leader within the progressive movement. She was also a Bernie Sanders delegate. Now, Hillary Clinton's book and book tour and countless publicity appearances has put the issue of Bernie Bros back into the discussion, although it never really went away. The Bernie Bros are one of the many groups that Hillary Clinton blames in part. And the great irony, of course, is there's tons of abuse that Bernie sisters, Bernie supporters, female Bernie supporters, people of color Bernie supporters face it's just not talked about. Now, the other ironic thing is that not only is there, of course, online abuse and harassment, because everyone faces that, but something else people don't talk about is the fact that there were two physical attacks on people that we know about during the primary. People talk about the violence of the Bernie Bros, the alleged violence in Nevada. The only problem is there wasn't any There was on the other side, however. Now, you may have heard of Wendell Pierce. He played Detective William Bunk Moreland on HBO's The Wire. Back in May of 2016, he was arrested in Atlanta. He was charged with battery over an altercation, which took place in a hotel bar. And it actually started over a conversation about politics. Pierce, a big Hillary Clinton supporter, allegedly began arguing with a Bernie Sanders supporter and her boyfriend. Pierce allegedly became enraged, grabbed the girlfriend by her hair, and smacked her head. And that barely made the headlines. The other example of physical abuse was visited on Mamida Ahmed, founder of Millennials for Bernie, member of the People for Bernie. She was a Sanders delegate. She talks to us about what happened at a Democratic meeting that was held in June 2016 of the New York delegation to the DNC in Philadelphia. And a certain interaction she had with a Hillary Clinton donor named Nick Silich. Shout out to John Charlatan at the Independent for identifying the culprit, Nicholas Silich. Here's Mamita's story. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while about what happened between you and that white straight male uh, Hillary delegate. He wasn't even a delegate. Oh, what was he? (laughs) He was a donor. He wasn't supposed to be in there. Can you explain what happened? Uh, Sure, yeah. Essentially, this was a meeting to pick the DNC chair for the New York State Democratic Party. So it would be the person that um, yells out who the state nominated at the DNC, Democratic National Convention. And... um, it was unanimously decided by the party that it would be the governor, Governor Cuomo. But because we won almost half of the vote in New York State, and regard, regarding like the relationship the progressive community has with Cuomo, it made sense and it felt fair to at least have a vote on it. And that was what was negotiated with um, Basil Smichel, the director of the New York State DNC 
there was a negotiation prior to going into the meeting. That was what was decided. And we all went to this meeting to go through the process, the protocol um, of doing a vote. And we were we were told that we are allowed to raise our hands and still vote on who's going to be the DNC chair. We went in and it, and we had a couple of speakers and then we moved on to the vote. And during the vote, like when, I forgot who was up on the days. The chair of the meeting, Michael Reich, a lawyer for the Democratic Party. Yeah, um, when he was like, we voted on Governor Cuomo to be the nominee. Um, if anybody objects, raise your hand. And we went through the whole process of like doing it uh, through the Roberts rule of law. So people very much politely raised their hand to object. And he didn't do the roll call Mm. that was promised to us. And so a ton of people raised their hand, including, I would say, some uh, Hillary people that were in there. Mm. And um, and he just kind of ignored us. That was um, live streaming. Kat Bresler. This is Catherine Bresler a Bernie delegate and Bronx public school teacher. And she's actually exploring a run for NY State Senate. And she is the person who filmed this. So she was filming this. And that's why we have the audio of what happened to Mumina Ahmed. And you hear people saying motion, motion. A bunch of other people who are in that room were, were not having it. And you hear this guy of the Democratic State Party. He's saying, order, order. And he's like the thickest New York accent, right? But we went up to the front of the room. And then the guy said, You haven't been given the floor. You haven't been given the floor. Mamita is is trying to tell people about what just happened, right? So at that point I was like, okay, let me go rally people and get them to the front and raise their hand so that they could see how many people have raised their hand. Right. So it's a huge room. So people, people weren't sure what was going on. And so I was going, I was going around the room trying to like rally people and tell them what happened. And in that process, um, as I was like running down the aisle, this elderly gentleman with a cane just like hit me with his hands on the back basically and I was like what like, I was right. really shocked and I was just like okay this just happened I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna deal with this but first let me go like rally Kat and other people and Kat was um, live streaming too so I wanted her with me so I went up to her and I was like okay this guy just hit me and I want to confront him because uh, it's unbelievable like I'm really shocked like I don't even know what to do right now and she's like I'll come with you and then let's confront him so like I went up to him with her around and I was just like you know don't you ever effing touch me or anybody like this ever again this is not the way you do things and 
he was just like, well, you're being disruptive. Like you're not behaving. Um, and I was like, I don't care. Yeah. That's not your call. And, and then I kind of just like yelled at him and you could see that on the video. And, um, as I like turned around to walk away, he hit me with his cane on my calf, on my leg, and cat was just like right there. So, but you could hear the thwack. Wow! And bunch of people witnessed it. Oh! Oh! He just hit her with a cane. He was just like, "Why don't you sit down?" And. Afterwards, I told everybody what was happening. Oh, Hillary bro just hit me twice. Once with his cane, once with his hands, and he touched me. You know, and what? His candidate is a woman, and I'm a woman of color, really? For what? For questioning And we confronted Basil Michael, the director of the New York State DNC. We were like, okay, we want to know who this person is so that we can press charges. And he was just like, I don't know who this person is and just unwilling to help at all. So at that point, my friend Dave Handy and confronted the guy. Excuse me, sir. You hit my friend with your cane. Oh, God. No, he uh, no, but I saw you hit a woman with your cane. I did not. Why did you me. strike it's a on woman, camera, sir? sir? Sir, why did you strike a woman? Why do you beat your wife? I don't have a wife, sir, and I don't beat women. And the guy got up and left, and we were trying to figure out who he was. And then somebody from the registration area said that he wasn't even a delegate. Mm-hmm. That he was a donor. And then others were like, well, he's he's an old guy, you know, just cut him some slack. Oh uh, he didn't mean to. He's senile. <laughs> oh my like all kinds of ageist excuses. And oh. then I emailed Basil Michael and he never responded to me. But, you know, people were outraged. So they were passing along the information because there were some pictures of him taken. Right. So you could see what he looks like. And thank you, Internet, because one of the writers saw my Facebook post. In the Independent, John yeah. Tarleton identified him and Nicholas Silich. And the Independent has obtained photos of Silich, who is a resident of North Granville, New York. Silich and his wife, Mary, are both active in the Washington County Democratic Party and serve as state committee members. The Independent uh, contacted them, but he denied attacking Ahmed, despite images that show him to be the same person as the cane-wielding assailant. I don't know what you're talking about, he said before hanging up the phone. What's just amazing to me is that it is so disingenuous, these attacks about caring about women and people of color because an older white man, I mean, the optics couldn't have been any worse. And these people care about optics, let's be honest. An older white man hits a young woman of color with his hand and with his cane. I mean, with his cane, like what else could you, anyway. And so, again, what the only response, I mean, I didn't see any Hillary person acknowledge what had happened to you. And this is something that was on video. And, yeah. Yeah. Can you just imagine for a second, by the way, if what happened to you, if you had been a Hillary person and the guy who did that to you had been a Sanders person <laughs> who had done that to you? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We would not hear the end of it. Right. Uh, we would be, yeah, there would be lawsuits. There would be big media pieces. I'm sure the victim would be all over MSNBC, CNN, 24 hours a day. 
<laughs> getting yeah, coverage. totally. There would be calls for Sanders to yeah. resign. Nobody asked Hillary Clinton to condemn that. Nobody. That was Mumita Ahmed, who shared her story about being hit by uh, a man, a Hillary donor, uh, who hit her with his hand and with a cane. Still can't get over that. Don't forget to become Patreon supporters so that you can hear the rest of our really fascinating conversation with Mumita Ahmed. She talks to us about what it's like being a young woman of color, having to hear the narrative of the Bernie bros all the time, having her story totally ignored. Nothing ever happened to this guy. It's kind of incredible. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. I can't get over the optics of this. I mean, they couldn't be any worse. Old white dude, beard, glasses from the 70s, uh, hitting a woman with his cane. Gabe, can you tell people how much this guy, so that they know how much he looks like old man time? Like, how white he is. (laughs) This guy looks like old man time. Old man time, right? Big time? I wish viewers could see what he looked like. First of all, Mumita is this like really beautiful, glowing um, woman, young woman of color in her 20s. Just vivacious and full of life, Katie. Exactly. And then this guy, this guy over here, he, he's an embodiment of the patriarchy gone to seed. Gone to what? To seed. Yeah, totally. Gone. I wish he'd gone to see. I don't know why. I can't uh, the old man in the sea. All oh, right. Oh, my God. The old man in the sea. Yeah. He has like his face is... is super long he has a white beard he has white hair and a white face and he just looks like a a monochromatic thing of of whiteness and hair he looks like a gross yeah he looks like a civil war uh, (laughs) he does a confederate (laughs) like a civil war reenactor oh yeah you're right he looks like a civil war reenactor or he looks like an actual confederate soldier who's been embalmed and preserved barely Oh yeah, like you you find him at the uh, at the Walter Reed um, hospital. <laughs> and they just forgot about in him. The, in the uh, in the oddities uh, museum. Right, museum. Yeah, want to say that what we saw was Wendell Pierce. Now Wendell Pierce, lovely man, lovely actor. Maybe not a, a lovely man, but a great actor. Uh, you know, people still talk about the violence of Bernie Sanders supporters at, in Nevada. We don't have a single instance of that. We not a single one, but you know what we do have an instance of from May. Wendell Pierce being charged with battery. For bunk from the wire. Bunk exactly. I mean, he could have arrested himself. Am I right? Oh. Hello, I'll be here all day. Yeah, um, Wendell Pierce from the wire. He attacked a woman. Was charged with battery. And again, it's just so painful watching these people. You're we're not allowed to say Heather Hayer was a Bernie Sanders supporter, but. They are allowed to say that the guy on the train in Oregon uh, who stabbed two men to death, uh, he was a Bernie Sanders supporter. They're allowed to say that. We're not allowed to say that. Guess what? One of those victims of that very man who was psychotic, so he doesn't really count, but one of the victims of that very man was a Bernie Sanders supporter. Right. No one points that out. We are not allowed to say that. They say that um, the guy who shot people in Virginia, remember when Scalise, Congressman Scalise was shot? He's a Bernie Sanders supporter. Chris Dorner is not a Hillary Clinton supporter, even though he shot a bunch of people and then uh, they found a letter of his where he's praising Hillary Clinton. (laughs) In case people don't know about this, this is a guy who um, shot people in 
2013, he was a fired LAPD officer. Yeah. And he did a series of shootings. Uh, and uh, who was also indicting the LAPD uh, for being racist and right. was go- was targeting uh, police officers. Kind of a mixed bag. Right. Uh, right. He's, a, he's a complicated man. <laughs> a complicated it's man. Uh, hard to understand. Yeah. He killed four Only people. Only his lady understands. Ex- yeah. He killed four people, wounded three others. Um, and he was, uh, the cabin that he was holed up in was uh, uh, on fire. Um <laughs> Uh, lit on fire. I don't know what happened, uh, but there are some conspiracies that say that maybe uh, it was a use of drones on U.S. soil. Wow. Um, you know, welcome to this episode of InfoWars. It's like, it's really <laughs> funny. It's not funny, but he's like kind of woke, like anti-LAPD, but also like militia style killing people and holed up in a cabin. It's a fa- And it he was died a, in a standoff. Yeah, fascinating story. So uh, yeah. Chris Dorner is definitely a character to, um, if you've got a couple spare minutes and Wikipedia, look him up. He, he's shouting out a lot of pop culture uh, celebrities that, that I like too. I, people got to look at that manifesto. It's very, yeah, he's like, a... shout outs to Dave Chappelle. I think you're very <laughs> funny. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if that's specifically Dave, but he goes through like a list of uh, comedians he likes. Right. And books he's reading and movies that he watched. Right. So this was a guy. He has this manifesto. It was a lengthy online manifesto, which he called his last resort. This was detailing. This is what led up to his termination from the LAPD. Mia Farrow said it best. Gun control is no longer debatable. It's not a conversation. It's a moral mandate, which is weird that he wrote this because he went on to shoot people dead. Right. A spree killer advocating for gun control. He is a man of contradictions. Okay, off the record, I love your new bangs, Mrs. Obama, a woman whose professional and educational accomplishments are second to none when compared to recent first wives. Wow, major, major... Uh, <laughs> throwing shade. Shots fired, but throwing shade is probably more appropriate. It's kind of sad I won't... Oh, this is... this is Oh, this is awesome. This is horrible on multiple levels. It's kind of sad I won't be around to view and enjoy The Hangover 3. Oh, no, I get that. I was thinking about uh, like North Korea and if we went into like a nuclear war with them. I'm like, well, could we at least pause until after the Game of Thrones uh, uh, season, season finale? finale? Yeah. Good call. The Hangover 3, what an awesome trilogy. Todd Phillips, don't make any more hangovers after the third. Takes away the originality of its foundation. I've never heard such a like Dude, astute like analysis about Hangover 3. <laughs> I just imagine John Lovitz's character, the cartoon, being like, like nah, don't make another one. You're going to ruin this. Right. Uh, World War Z looks good in The Walking Dead Season 3. Second half looking intri- looked intriguing. Damn, gonna miss Shark Week. It's really sad. Chris Matthews, <laughs> Joe Scarborough, Parr Harvey, Brian Williams, Soledad O'Brien, Wolf Blitzer, Meredith Vieira, Tavis Smilin, Anderson Cooper, keep up the great work and follow Cronkite's lead. I hold many of you in he, he means in the, uh, same regard as Tom Brokaw and the late Peter Jennings. Cooper, stop nagging and berating your guests. They're your guests. Mr. Scarborough, we met at McGuire's Pub in Picola in 2002 when I was stationed there. It was an honor to conversing with you about politics, family, and life. It is so weird to hear a guy being so polite and respectful and knowing that he killed people. Yeah. Okay, here we're seeing a bit of a departure from his, <laughs> his cherubic tone. Revoke the citizenship of Fareed Zakaria and deport him. I've never heard a positive word about America or its interests from his mouth ever on the same day give Pierce Morgan an indefinite resident alien a visa card. Okay, that's where we see we start to see things break down. Will Geist, you're talented and charismatic. Ellen DeGeneres, continue your excellent contribution to entertaining America and bringing the human factor to entertainment. You change the perception of your of your gay community and how we as Americans view the LGBT community. <laughs> I congratulate you on your success and opening my eyes as a young adult and my generation to the fact that you know different from us. 
that you you are no different from us and others uh, than who you choose to love. Oh, and you prop eight supporters. Why the F do you care who your neighbor marries? Hypocritical piece of whatever. Tebow, I really want to see you take charge of an offense again. That's uh, Tebow. Tebow, thank you. <laughs> you are not a good quarterback by today's standards, but you're a great footballer. Christopher Waltz, you impressed me in Inglorious Bastards. After viewing Django Unchained, I was sold. I have come to the conclusion that you are well on your way to becoming one of the greats, if not already, and show glimpses of Daniel Day-Lewis and Morgan Freeman-esque type qualities of greatness. Trust me when I say you will be one of the greatest ever. Larry David, I agree. 72, 82 degrees is way too hot in a residence. 68 <laughs> degrees is perfect. Could you make it any hotter in here, by the way? Feels good. Feels good? Yeah, it feels good. 75 is perfect. You know, I can't even sleep in this room at night. It's so hot. Honest to God. What temperature would you prefer? 68 degrees. 68? Yeah. Now, see, that's some white people shit right there, LD, okay? Black people like it a little bit warmer at night, okay? Well, at least compromise. No, 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 no. 75 works for me, LD. I'll, I'll call Leon. Let's see what he says. Leon! Leon! He gonna let you know that that's Leon, how we like it. Okay. You know, I can't sleep. It's too hot at night. I want to sleep in 68 degree temperature. She wants to sleep in 75 degrees. Let's compromise at 72. Oh, no, fuck that, Larry. You my motherfucking man, Larry, but 72, shit. Might sleep outside. Okay. I'm 82 man myself. See there, I told you. Charlie Sheen, you're effing awesome. Again, a crack. Mr. Bill Cosby, you are a reasonable and talented man who has spoken the truth to cultural anomalies with the black communities that need to change. The black community's resentment toward you is because they don't like hearing the truth or having their clear and evident dirty laundry air to the nation. I mean, it could also have been have to do with his uh, serial rape career. Okay, on Hillary Clinton, you'll make one hell of a president in 2016, much like your husband, Bill. You'll be one of the greatest. Look at Castro in San Antonio as a running mate or possible secretary of state. He's good people, and I have faith and confidence in him. Look after Bill. He was always my favorite president. Chelsea grew up to be one hell of an attractive woman. No disrespect to her husband. <laughs> Christy, Chris Christy, what can I say? You're the best person I would like to see in the White House in 2016 other than Hillary. You're America's no S-H-I-T talk-taking uncle. Do one thing for your wife, kids, and supporters. Start, oh my God, start walking at night and eat a little less. Not a lot less, just a little. We want to see you around for a long time. Your leadership is greatly needed. See, what I like about that, by the way, is that he is being a realist. He's not pushing Chris Christie to eat too much, not a lot less, just a little less, because he knows... If you're too harsh, you break your diet. I mean, he had so many things he could have been if he wasn't a spree killer. Like he could have been, uh, he could have been Motivation. a dietitian, dietitian, nutritionist, uh, motivational speaker, a film critic, film critic. You know, uh, he understood the media. He he had uh, media people that he he enjoyed watching. Yeah, good taste. Uh, Larry David. Ooh. Uh, George Zimmerman, if you continuously followed me while I was walking at dusk night, I would confront you as well. Too bad Trayvon didn't smash your skull completely open, Zim. Uh, again, he goes after NRA, calls uh, Wayne LaPierre vile. Just so weird. Talks about how much he likes uh, Joe Biden. Do your due diligence when formulating concise and permanent national AWB plan. Don't know what that is. It's really sad. He didn't vote for Obama. Huh. He His his first choice was John Huntsman. Anyway, that's all sad and awful. Yeah, so this was all left in a manifesto by Christopher Dorner. Um, so many shout-outs. So many shout-outs. Dorner listed a, a bunch of the people he held responsible, but he also gave a lot of people shout-outs. So all we're saying is do not blame people, psychopaths, sociopaths, who kill uh, other people and happen to like people. That's it.
I think I said that really eloquently. We can get that, a tattoo of that. And if you're going to blame those people, then we're going to blame Wendell Pierce on Hillary. We really don't want to uh, be blaming um, the leaders uh, for, uh, totally. for what um, deranged people uh, do. And, and it doesn't really matter um, who... <laughs> Uh, when when you look at people who uh, who uh, are violent, um, often they have uh, they have some other problems going on, and they latch on to a public figure, and then they uh, kill in the name of that public right. figure. So like I don't I don't blame Jodie Foster for uh, well, Hinckley uh, trying to trying to ventilate. Um, you know, <laughs> what's that's the difference between Ronald you and Reagan's me. One chest. One of the differences I do blame. I do uh, blame her. No, I'm kidding. No, yeah. and I'm not saying. And I, I'm not saying that. I I think that we should not be blaming Hillary Clinton for Wendell Pierce. That's and we cor- should not be blaming her for Chris Dorner. But what I am saying is or, that we shouldn't be blaming uh, Sanders. Mr. Sanders either. Yes, yeah, Senator Sanders. Let's just be consistent. That's all we're asking for. Yeah. Is that too much? Thanks so much for listening to the Katie Halper Show. You can hear the Katie Halper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's 99.5 FM, WBAI.org. Don't forget to save the date for our next live taping, October 9th, 7 p.m. at the Brooklyn Commons at 388 Atlantic Avenue with special guests Wendy Muse and Anoa Changa. Please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. You will hear all sorts of great bonuses including some really relevant ones, like a few from actual Dr. Adam Gaffney, who does a great job of explaining the difference between people saying they're for universal coverage and people actually supporting single-payer Medicare for all. And it's really relevant, of course, because of the healthcare debate. The Katie Helper Show is produced by Florence Burrow Adams with help from Joshua Bregman. Our theme song is by The Ballet. You can follow me on Twitter at KTHelps. That's the letter K, the letter T, H-A-L-P-S, and Gabe at Gabe underscore Pacheco. Use the hashtag KTHelpShow. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S-H-O-W. If you want to reach out to us or tweet about us, rate and review us on iTunes. Like our Facebook page, which is just the Katie Helper Show. Thanks so much for listening to the Katie Helper Show.